0: Great leaders! When I say those words, does anyone come to mind? Maybe it's a friend. Maybe a leader of a country. Perhaps it's an athlete that leads their team really well. While great leaders have a tremendous impact on those around them, and while there have been many great leaders to come and go, there's one that sits above all the rest. Today, we're going to talk about the greatest leader to ever live, and how we can lead and live like him. The co-founder and president of leadership development and team building for Outward Focus. His goal is to equip and empower each individual for success in business and in life. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Heart of Leadership podcast, everyone. My name is Andrew, and this is our first episode. I'm really excited about it, just to kind of give you an idea of what to expect. Each week, we'll be exploring different leadership topics. We'll be going into more detail and more in-depth just to do with leadership, personal development, and help you grow and get better. Uh, We'll also be interviewing different leaders. Uh, Every now and then, we'll have a guest person come on and just to kind of dive into where they are in their leadership roles and how they got to where they are and to talk about different topics regarding their expertise. We'll be releasing a new episode every Monday. So if that's something that you're interested in, be sure to subscribe to our podcast. But I'd be wrong to not start this first podcast off, but by talking about the leader that's had the biggest influence on my life and the reason why I'm where I am today. In the opening intro, I asked you to think of a great leader why did you choose that person? Well, certainly there are some characteristics about them that you admire. Maybe they have a proven track record. Maybe they've influenced your life in a huge way. Well, today we're going to talk about the leader that checks all those boxes and more. A leader that has qualities and characteristics of a leader worth following and someone who has set the perfect example of how we should lead. A leader with a proven track record who has influenced and impacted more lives than anyone to ever live. Jesus is this leader. He's the greatest leader to ever live and he's alive today still leading us. Now some of you might agree with me. Others might be wondering what exactly is it about his leadership that makes me say such a statement. Well I'm going to show you by taking a deeper look at Jesus' leadership. But in order to do this, if you'd allow me, just let me give you a quick backstory of where I'm coming from, to share a little bit about who I am. So as we go on this journey of a podcast together, you can just have a better understanding of me and and where I'm coming from. So as a child, I grew up in the church, but after a few challenges throughout my childhood and teenage years, mostly challenges happening in the household, I eventually found myself pulling away. A lot of that pulling away from church was due to leadership examples that were being set before me, And now even though I didn't really attend church anymore growing up into my teen years, I still attended a Christian high school. And during those times, I was able to keep myself out of trouble for the most part. Uh, But it wasn't until I was off to college that I started to really seek the things of the world and rebel against those poor leadership figures in my life. I really had a false idea of what it meant to lead. And despite having some good influences in my life and in my family, I also had a lot of poor leadership role models right around me, including my father, some of my choice of friends and some teachers, and even some of the celebrities that I admired from afar. I found myself being led in the wrong direction, I was being led astray, and I had a misunderstanding and misconception of what leadership was. During this time, I started to really compromise a lot of my faith and a lot of my values, which caused me to start living this double life. Now I graduated college and went into leadership positions at various jobs and workplaces, but even though I felt like I was leading well at the time, I still had these poor leadership examples around me. and I was too much of a people pleaser. I, I don't know if you can relate to this at all, but I, I care so much about what people thought and it really consumed a lot of who I was. Kind of fast forward a little bit to 2013. It's when I suffered a really scary injury to my chest and my ribs that really rocked my world. And it was during this time that God slowly pulled me out of this dark place that I was living in and began to really lead me into this new way of living. Slowly pruning me each and every day and uprooting the bad weeds of my life. Now this happened just over seven years ago. And I'm still far from perfect. Trust me, it's an ongoing process today. Uh, but fast forward again to 2016, so three years after that accident. I just felt led to move across the country to go back to school. I was looking at what I want to do with my life. I was looking at what can I do. I just wasn't happy in the jobs that I was doing. And I was just recovering from that injury. I just felt like there was something more to life. Um, So I looked at going back to school. And this time, it wasn't just any ordinary school. I was looking to go to Bible college. And so at first, I was looking at going to maybe Australia or going to Texas. And I eventually came across a place on google and it was in british columbia called columbia bible college and at the time i was living just outside toronto ontario i was within about 10 minutes of all my family i had a few friends out here and so all of a sudden just pick up everything and leave and go halfway across the country was exciting but really surreal at the same time it was kind of leaving everything that i knew behind and jumping into this expectation of what was to come and not really knowing what it is and and all being unknown, but I was excited about it. And you might be wondering, why would you go across the country when there's multiple Bible colleges in Toronto or around Ontario? There's even some a lot closer. And you just know when you, you have that feeling when you just, it may not always seem to make sense to someone on the outside, but it's just one of those moments where you feel such peace over the situation. It's it was like it was time to leave the comfort zone that I was living in and step into this faith. It was kind of time to learn how to, to be a better leader. It was. I was really fortunate to have the support of my family, and I knew that I was leaving everything I knew and everything behind to move to a province that I knew no one, and I had absolutely no connections there. I never lived on my own before. I actually, when I went to college the first time, I was only about 10 minutes away from my home, so... I was fortunate enough to stay home and I didn't really know what it was like to kind of live on my own at the time and it was scary but I remember the first people that I told were actually my two nieces. My eldest niece was about 10 at the time and when I explained to them that I was sad to leave them but I said God was calling me to go there, I felt like he was leading me there. My my oldest niece looks at me and she says, "Okay, I I understand." And She had this look of sadness on her that just turned into this face of understanding. And and that was that was a precious moment for me to know that me feeling terrible for kind of leaving them and leaving my family, knowing that she had that sense of understanding that, okay, you're you're doing it because you feel like God's calling you to that. That was for something for her to understand that at her age was warming but also mind-boggling to me. Because at that age, I wouldn't have got that. Um, but anyways, I I made the jump, and I went there in the fall of 2016, and I got to Columbia Bible College in Abbotsford, which is just about an hour east of Vancouver, and I only planned to go for a year. I was going to go there and get my leadership certificates, head back home. Uh, safe to say that God had a lot of other plans than I did, because I ended up staying three years and actually fast-tracking my Bachelor of Arts degree in applied leadership there. I got the opportunity to learn, serve, and lead in both Israel and Costa Rica based on school-organized trips and mission trips. And I had the privilege of taking on quite a few leadership roles at the school. So why did I stay for three years when I already had a college diploma? And I was also a lot older than the majority of the other students. God was turning me into the leader that I am today, and he's continued to work on me. Uh, The leader and the person that I was five years ago would not have been able to start this podcast. The leader and person that I was five years ago would not have been able to co-found a leadership and team building business. It takes time to develop and grow. So those were big reasons for me to, to become the leader and the person that God wanted me to be, but they weren't the only reasons, so... Why else did I stay at the college? Well, my program directors, Matt Kaminsky and Kathleen Dahl. So remember when I said earlier that I had poor leadership examples growing up, especially from teachers and people close to me? Yeah, well, that all changed when I got to Columbia Bible College, and those two were really at the forefront of that change. For the first time in a while, I was really seeing a side of leadership that I hadn't seen before. I was also learning about Jesus' leadership, and I started to learn the truth about him and stop believing some of these lies that i had grown up with and these misconceptions of who I thought God was. The applied leadership program there really followed a model based on three characteristics of Jesus' leadership, and its goal was to help develop these students into those type of leaders. And Matt and Kathleen were there to set the tone and example from the very beginning by living this out in their own lives. Because of this, among many other things, they, they went from being program directors to becoming my friends and the model that they followed was a triangular model with each point of the triangle representing a different characteristic. So if you picture a triangle and each one kind of having a word to go to each point. And so the three characteristics are authentic, servant and transformational. And so in this episode, I'm just going to talk a little bit on each one related to Jesus' leadership and then look at how we can lead and live like that in our own lives. I think it's kind of fitting with Easter just being around the corner that we're talking about Jesus and we're honoring his leadership and the sacrifice that he made for us. So without further ado, let's get into the contents. The first characteristic of that triangle is authentic but what does it mean to be authentic? The other day I was sitting in my office and I saw one of my t-shirts hanging up. I actually got this t-shirt on a trip to Seattle a couple years ago. And on the t-shirt, it says, Seattle, Washington, established in 1853. And underneath all of that, it says authentic. So it got me thinking about other things. Like when you want to buy a sports jersey and you go on the website and you can actually choose between Getting a authentic jersey or getting a replica jersey. Now they may look the same from the outside, but there's actually a huge difference. But besides the price, the main difference between a replica and an authentic jersey is the quality. The material is built to last longer. The material can actually withstand more damage. And isn't that the same with us as people? Someone who's built to be more authentic, is able to withstand more damage, more challenges, and more scrutiny. They're built to last longer. So again, like, what does it mean to be authentic? I'm not sure exactly who said it, but I heard a quote one time that said, authenticity is the courage to be yourself. Michael Jordan said, authenticity is about being true to who you are. Leader Simon Sinek says that authenticity is more than speaking. Authenticity is about doing. Every decision we make says something about who we are. And in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection, Brene Brown describes authenticity as a collection of choices that we have to make every day. It's about the choice to show up and be real. The choice to be honest. The choice to let our true selves be seen. So when I kind of look at all that, and I look at authenticity, I see it really as not compromising your values. I see it being real and not a replica, You're you're original. You're being true to who you are, no matter the consequences. You're true to one's personality or character. You're not living a double life. You're taking ownership and responsibility for your own actions you're not being deceptive and you're not shifting blame. And now, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing and very convicting when I list all those things. I mean, I shared my story with you earlier in this episode and I can see that I'm, I'm guilty. in if of all those things and, and I wasn't being very authentic in my leadership and in my everyday life. And it begs the question, like, who are you behind closed doors? Like right now, if someone was to do a full investigation on your life, would you be afraid? It's a hard question. And it's someone that I've definitely struggled with before. Um, and I'm not saying that you have to air it out and, and let it all be open to everyone because there's appropriate vulnerability. There's appropriate authenticity. But it, it begs the question, who are you behind closed doors and are you living that authentic lifestyle? So... My goal is I want to be authentic with this podcast. I want to be myself. That's why I kind of shared a bit of my story with you earlier. To try my best to be real and raw and authentic with you all. Um, But you know what else is real? The fear that surrounded me starting this podcast. And the fear of not being liked. Uh, Fear because there's just so many well-known and respected leaders already out there. And so many leadership podcasts that already exist. It's hard to have that idea of not being afraid. I want to be real though, and I want to stay true to myself and stay away from comparison. It's so easy to try to mimic anyone else that's already out there and doing things that are doing much better than I already have done. But that would be ingenuine to myself and not genuine to my audience. And so I want to be real and I want to be myself. And I need to use my own unique skill set. And so do you. And so I ask you, are, are you caught up in comparison right now? It's hard not to be with the world that we live in today. I mean, even you just go on social media and you have a lot of your friends or family posting about their lives. And we all know everyone mostly posts only the good parts of their lives on social media. And so it's hard not to have the little bit of that envy and that jealousy inside you when you truly want to just be happy for people. Um, and so that, that's something that, I know I've struggled with in the past and something that I'm learning each and every day. So as I learn, what does it mean to be authentic? I kind of look at all these areas of being real and being true to yourself and not compromising your values. And that's what leads me into talking about Jesus's leadership of him being authentic. And so you might be asking me, like, how was Jesus authentic? And I mean, I can go on and on probably talking about it for hours, but to break it down, like even just him going very broadly, I he was someone who lived a consistent life and behavior and belief. He knew who he was and he stayed true to that no matter who called him out on it and who questioned his authority or his identity. He practiced what he preached and that's something that a lot of us struggle with today is walking that talk. He was bold in what he said but he also lived that truth out in his own life and he knew his priorities he kept those priorities he kept his objectives his mission and his purpose were very clear but you can even see the realness of himself coming out when he went to flip over the tables in the temple and people were gambling and trading and doing illegal and immoral stuff in the temple and his realness came out and People kind of look at that scripture and say, "Well, he got angry, but it was it was that righteous anger and that true, genuine self that was able to come out and and be frustrated and upset with what was going on." Um, and so he turned those tables over in anger, but it was it was that realness that came out of, "Hey, I don't like this. This is not right. You need to stop doing this." I think another moment of his authenticity that really touches me is near the end of his life before he goes to sacrifice himself on the cross he spent some time in the garden of gethsemane and he spent some time in prayer there and i think reading through that passage and seeing his realness and his humanness come out at that moment he was he was asking god to take that cup of suffering away from him knowing what was to come and it wasn't just that physical pain that he was going to experience on the cross but he knew what that pain of the separation from his father was going to be like. When all the sin was going to be put on him on that cross and God was going to put that on him, he was going to lose that relationship for that moment with his father. And that was more painful and more real to him than any physical pain that could have came. And so I really appreciate his rawness and his vulnerability in that moment saying, if it's in your will, take this cup of suffering from me. But he follows it by saying, nonetheless, not my will, but your will be done. And I think that's something that we need to do in our lives today is we can be real with God and we can talk to him and say, hey, I need your help with this. Or if it's possible, can you take this pain away from me? Can you take this sickness away from me? But if you don't, then I trust you. Not my will, but your will be done. And to trust that he has a greater purpose for that. it's It's not easy to understand it in the moment. But to kind of look at it as he sees the bigger picture. He sees the beginning to the end. He sees the purpose behind whatever we're going through. And sometimes it's so hard to understand why things happen. And even the crisis that we're living in right now with the coronavirus, it's something that kind of shook our world a little bit and everyone's kind of now on edge and you have to change the way that you're living. But he sees the greater purpose in this and he's ultimately in control and not saying that he's caused this to happen, but it's something that he's allowed to happen. But he's going to turn this for good. And I can already see the good that's coming out of it. There's a lot of people that are Being selfish, but the goodness coming out of it is there's a lot of people that are reaching out to help others and that, that love and that service and that servant leadership that we're going to talk about a bit later is coming out in more right now. Uh, So yeah, how how was Jesus authentic? He was real. He was true. He stayed true to himself. He had this idea of who he was and he, he knew it. He stuck to it. He believed it. He lived it out in his daily life. And what impact did it make? Well, it was contagious. It was. He was able to pass that on to the people that he was living with and the people that he was interacting with each and every day as they saw that realness. And as we move to the second characteristic in that triangle, so if you remember from before, that triangle that we're talking about with the three points and the three words for each point of the triangle on the top part of the triangle, it says authentic. and the bottom left, it says servant. And we're going to look at Jesus as a servant leader. But what is servant leadership? I think servant leadership is about serving others rather than trying to take control or receive power in any way. It's about looking at other people's interests over your own interests. A little story about servant leadership. So... In the opening, I kind of told you my story, and I was able to spend some time in Costa Rica. So we were down there at my school, the Apply Leadership Program, for about 10 weeks. And we were fortunate enough to partner with a ministry down there called Esperanza. And they're run by Raul and Kimi, um, two servant leaders in my opinion. But what's great about this is the motto that they kind of stood by and led with. From the moment we got there, they... They told us this thing about how to be a blessing, and the idea that you look to be a blessing in every single aspect of your life. And I remember one of my friends there, Joseph, uh, who lives there, is a native of Costa Rica, he used to challenge me a lot, and each day he would ask me, how can you best represent God today? And that was a challenging question to kind of wake up in the morning and see, okay, how can I be a blessing and And how can I best represent God today? And I think having those two questions in your mind was the definition of servant leadership. And so when I look at Raul and Kimmy and their ministry, the idea of being a blessing, I mean, these people opened up their homes to up to 50 plus people each and every day. They had a big home there in, in the jungle village of Chiroles in Costa Rica. And and they had a, a place where they would open up their home for people in the community just to come and hang out, to kind of get away from what they were dealing with in their own life. But not only that, they would run different ministries through their home. So they had a children's ministry and an elderly ministry, and they would deliver food to to people on Fridays, and they had a soccer ministry. And this the whole idea of this being a blessing um, really stuck with me. And so when I Came home from that trip, it was it was a whole new way of kind of looking at life. And not that I didn't want to be a blessing before, but having that ingrained in me of what is being a blessing actually look like? And what does servant leadership actually look like? And seeing that with Raul and Kimmy, seeing them go the extra mile for the people around them and completely humbling themselves as the leaders of this ministry and putting aside their own interests for the interests of the whole entire community. And also welcoming the groups that come in each and every time. I mean, they welcomed we they welcomed us with open arms. They treated us as family from the moment that we got there. Um, so that's something that really stuck with me. And and kind of as I look at the servant leadership model of Jesus, I see something very similar. I look at Jesus, and I think the best passage to kind of portray this thought is found in Philippians, and it's Philippians two about verses two to eleven. And I think it really sums up exactly what servant leadership looks like. And so I'm not going to read it out loud, but just kind of go through what the different points talk about and and how we can see Jesus being portrayed as his servant leader. So the context of this passage is talking about Jesus humbling himself, leaving heaven to come down as a man. And so within this passage, We can see that we're to do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. And I look at that and I'm like, yes, like Jesus didn't have to come down to earth. He didn't have to save us, but he chose to. He chose to love us and serve us and to lead us into a new life. And he counted us more significant than himself. He could have stayed up there in heaven. But instead, as you read on throughout the passage, he chose at that moment to to give up his divine form and to empty himself by taking on the form of a servant. He became a man and he emptied himself to take on the form of a servant. He was obedient to the point of death dying a very terrible death, serving and sacrificing himself for us. So I think when we look at that, we see our own worldly view of greatness and serving is is completely opposite to Jesus in some capacity. For him, greatness came through humility, serving, giving everything he had and putting others above himself. He talked in another verse in Mark, it says he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That was his goal. That's why he came down to earth. And to me, that's the epitome of a servant leader. He came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so looking at Jesus as a servant leader, I love the the image of a shepherd and kind of comparing it to a sheep herder. And so when I look at Jesus, he was a shepherd. And what does that mean? Well, if you picture a shepherd, he goes before the flock. He leads from the front and he shows them the way. He's a leader. He's not a boss. He's not a dictator. Where a sheep herder, they follow from behind. So the sheep are actually leading the, the charge. And the sheep herders at the back kind of wrangling all these stray sheep in, in a forceful way. Pulling them back in. But by being at the back, the sheep herder also puts the sheep at the front in unknown danger. Because he's not there to address it when it comes. But Jesus as the shepherd and as this servant goes before us and precedes anything that comes our way you kind of picture a a battle a military battle and you put your frontline officers at the beginning there that that's that's what jesus is, is he's at the front of that battle he's ready to take it on for us and so to me that's the most beautiful way to be a servant leader is to go before those you are are leading and to show them the way. So not only does he go before us and protects us, but he's showing the way in a physical way, whatever way you want to look at it. He's showing he showed us the way to live life. He showed us how to humble ourselves, how to put other people before our own needs. We kind of talked about it a little bit before, but other ways that he was a servant leader, he He listened, plain and simple. How many of us struggle to listen? So often we want to be the ones to get our words out. And sometimes all it takes is just that listening ear of being there to serve someone. When you come home from a long day and you're having a conversation with a family member or a spouse or whoever that might be. And all you want to do is just relax or maybe you want to talk about your day. But maybe they also need to talk about theirs. And maybe that's your opportunity to be that servant leader and that servant to just say, you know what, I'm going to provide a listening ear today. As badly as I want to say something or as badly as I want to go upstairs and just relax. For this moment, I'm going to humble myself, put aside my own interest for your interests, because you need to get this out. You need to talk about your day. And I care about you and I want to listen. I think another aspect of Jesus' servant leadership was that he was empathetic. The biggest example that comes to my mind is when Lazarus was dead in, in that tomb, and his friends Mary and Martha were, were sad and grieving, and Jesus wept with them, and he was sad for his friends and what was going to happen, but but he was able to call Lazarus out and to empathize, empathize with them and I think this just shows that he he cared about their feelings. And he was not only serving them in a physical manner, but he was serving them in an emotional manner and caring about, you know what, I care what you're going through, and, and I, I'm affected by it too, and how can we make this right? And then as you think of other examples, you think of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. I mean, it's not as common in our culture today, but how how much of a servant do you have to be to wash someone's feet? <laughs> you don't know what people's feet are touching. You don't know what kind of stuff they're walking on. Back then, they didn't have the greatest shoes. They didn't have any Crocs. Or they didn't have any Air Jordans or anything that we're wearing today. They were walking either barefoot or in some sandals. and They were very dirty at that time. And Jesus humbled himself, washing their feet, not only doing it in a physical way, but saying, I'm here to serve you, not to be served. And I think the most important thing that we obviously can't forget, especially looking up to Easter, is the servant aspect of him laying down his life. It says that there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. And what a sacrifice that is. What a what an act of service, of servant leadership. He paid the price of love through his suffer and his sacrifice by being a servant for us. And we kind of mention it in the authentic piece a little bit, but like he gave up his will. Once again, he put aside his own will for God's will and for the well-being of us. I think that's that's a great aspect of his servant leadership that we can't overlook is the fact that he humbled himself and he looked out for our interests rather than his own. And to me, that's what true servant leadership's all about. And so as we transition into this third aspect of the triangle, this third characteristic of being transformational, let's just quickly recap. So we had authentic, about being real. Jesus was real. He was true to himself. We have servant leader, laying yourself down, giving up your own interests for other people's interests, remaining humble, and now this aspect of transformational leadership. What exactly is transformational leadership? In many ways, transformational leadership is about working with a team and identifying what needs to be changed, then creating that vision for that change and then executing that change with the team. I think when I look at even transformational leadership in our world today, I'm a big sports fan. So when I look at sports, I see different players or different coaches that come along, different owners that can really change that culture and change that direction of the franchise. So when I think of even the Raptors right now, I'm a big Raptors fan defending NBA champion Toronto Raptors, by the way. I look at Nick nurse and the Raptors, they couldn't get over that hump with Dwayne Casey. They had a certain culture. They had a certain vibe with Dwayne Casey and DeMar DeRozan. But then they brought in Kawhi Leonard. They brought in Marcus Gasol. and they brought in Nick nurse as the head coach and everything changed. And it wasn't just because of the talent, but it was that new transformational culture that was being laid, that foundation that was being laid with the players. One thing that really stood out to me throughout the playoffs was after every win and after every time that they they won a game, the Raptors players were interviewed, they would always say, We're not satisfied. We're just we're not satisfied. We have more to accomplish. Now this was a huge change of pace from who the Raptors were a couple of years ago. These same Raptors, minus a couple of players, would even just be terrified to even go up against a player like LeBron. They were already beaten in their minds. They had that mindset of, oh, we can't play with the better players or the better teams. Now, fortunately, they didn't have to play against him last year. But my point is, is that they had this mindset shift of, hey, you know what? We can do this. And to me, that's transformational. And that comes from Nick Nurse. That comes from Kawhi Leonard and all the other guys that were leading that team. And then you even look at a team like the Clippers. I'm not a huge Los Angeles Clippers fan, but a few years ago, their owner got into a lot of trouble with remarks that he was saying, and the team was in a really bad place, and they were a laughingstock of the NBA. And then a new owner comes in and kind of transforms that whole entire culture to now they're actually competing with the Lakers for that prestige in Los Angeles. And so, to me, transformational leadership can come in many ways, but it's it's identifying what needs to be changed, then creating that vision for that change, and then executing that change with the team. I think that's the key is it's with the team. And so, when I look at Jesus's transformational leadership, there's so many aspects that stand out to me, and even just from the get-go. He was transformational in the way that he had a positive change with people that turns followers into leaders. And he turns fishermen into fishers of men. And that shepherd that we mentioned before in the earlier section of servant leadership, that shepherd that Jesus is not only goes before the sheep, but he sets that vision and he leads them into that vision alongside them. He saw long and far. Jesus had the vision. And he sent people on mission. And he had this purpose and plan for what he was doing. He was transformational in the way that these fishers of men that he was creating, it was he was equipping them and empowering them. And that transformational leadership transformed their lives and transformed their attitudes and their mindset and the way that they thought of themselves. He turned the tax collector into a disciple and an author of a New Testament book. And I think the way that we look at his transformational leadership can be found so beautifully in the way that he interacted with the people that he was around. He embraced other cultures. He wasn't afraid or offended by the Samaritans or anyone else. His his forgiveness is transformational. There's no condemnation. Think of the woman at the well and how he was forgiven or the woman that was caught in adultery and how he transformed the way that she saw herself. Jesus transforms our minds and our hearts. He transforms our beliefs. He transforms our viewpoints. So we think of when the feeding of the 5,000 and they fed with five loaves and two fish, he transformed their view of provision. When the Israelites were in the wilderness and manna came down raining from heaven each and every day, he transformed their view of provision. He transformed people's views of miracles, of healing, of forgiveness. He was transformational in the way that he gave people second chances. Once again, he was transformational by the way that he died on the cross and gave up his will. And within that, he transformed our eternal destiny. Jesus provided a pathway, and he is that pathway. The choice is to follow, to see if we want to follow him or not. And Jesus says, follow me. But he doesn't do so dragging people, kicking and screaming. He gives us that choice to not only follow him, but to join him as well. I think that's the key, is that People join him, and and that's the transformational leadership right there is you're only a leader if people actually follow you. And people did and do follow him. We saw fishermen leave their boats and their jobs to follow him. Tax collectors left their job to follow him. People who live in Toronto, Ontario, suffering from an injury, moving halfway across the country to follow him. Now, I know that's not the same example, but he's a leader worth following. And he's a transformational leader in the way that he transforms people's lives. The story that I shared with you earlier and my upbringing, you probably would have never guessed that I would be in the position that I am today or that I would have had the different roles that I've had. And that's all because of the transformational leadership of Jesus and how God changed my heart and changed me in 2013 with that injury and continues to transform things today. People are never the same after they encounter him. They're always better. They're a new creation. So when I think of this transformational leadership, like Jesus fits all this criteria and more. And I guess one just last closing story on transformational leadership. Once again, I think of my time in Costa Rica and our last week there. We actually got the privilege of going to the beach in Haco and having a bit of a debrief session just to kind of go over everything that went during the last nine weeks before that. And during that time, we all shared devotionals one morning on the beach and I shared this devotional on... God with Moses and what is in your hand. And it's the idea that God transformed that staff into a snake and then back to a staff. And God can use anything that we have. And that that to me is transformational. So whether it's, hey, you know what? You're an artist and you really like to paint or draw. Or maybe you're creative and you want to write a book or write a movie script or you like baking. You like playing the guitar. You like playing another instrument. Maybe you're good with your hands and you fix things and you fix cars. You use your tools. That transformational leadership that Jesus has takes what's in our hand and transforms it into something so amazing for someone else to be a blessing for other people. And I think that's a huge part of his transformational leadership is taking these ordinary things that we have and making them so extraordinary. I heard that the only difference between extra ordinary and ordinary is that little bit of extra. And Jesus provides that little bit of extra with his help and with his transformational leadership. So obviously there's a whole lot more I can get into but as we can kind of see we, Jesus is a leader that was authentic he was servant And he was transformational in many ways, impacting thousands of generations of people, and he still impacts us today. He led with his heart and his love for us, while remaining humble throughout the whole process. Something that a lot of us struggle with today. And I can go on and on about what Jesus has done as a leader for me, but I wanted to just spend some time breaking down these three characteristics and hopefully giving you an idea of why I truly believe that he's the greatest leader to ever live. And so as we go forward with this podcast, they're not all going to be like this. They're going to be regular leadership topics. Um, We're going to talk about conflict. We're going to talk about navigating change. Upcoming soon is something called the gift of rejection and looking at rejection through a different lens. But my hope and goal is that this podcast will be transformational for you in many ways. I hope that you feel better and leave better than you were before. I hope that it pushes you closer to your dreams and helps you achieve more goals. I hope that it makes a lasting impact and positive change in your life. And I hope to be that servant leader to you through this podcast. And I want to serve your needs the best that I can. And so I'd love to hear some suggestions of what you would like me to talk about. And you can reach out to me on our website you can find my email there at solutions.com. Check it out. Send me an email. Send me, say, hey, Andrew, i love if you can talk about this on the podcast. I plan on having several guest interviews and I would love to serve others by giving them a platform to share. So that's even something that you're interested in. Let me know that, hey, I want to talk about this topic and we can reach out and talk to you about that. So all in all, hopefully that we were able to talk about why I believe that Jesus is the greatest leader to ever live through him being authentic servant and transformational leader. So just in closing, I want to challenge you with something this week. I want to challenge you to be a blessing this week and to ask the question, what is in your hand? What is, what has God given you that you're gifted at what you're strong at? Is it art Is it music? Is it fixing things? Especially during this time where people are going through a bit of a lull and going through difficult times, changing with the circumstances. How can you be a blessing to other people with what is in your hand? And so I challenge you to find find that something. Find that something that's in your hand and use it to serve others this week. Be a servant leader and be a blessing to other people. The greatest leader to ever live has given us something that to lead with and he will help us lead with that. We just need to look at that and see what is in our hand so that we can be a blessing to other people. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening if you made it this far and we'll see you next Monday. Have a great week.